G'day, it's Matthew Cutler-Welsh here from Homestyle Green. Welcome back to another episode. This week I have a great interview that I had during the week. I caught up with a registered architect, Ingo Ratzdorf. Now Ingo is currently uh, an architect with Babbage Consultants based here in Auckland. But uh, prior to that he grew up and, and was trained in Germany. And um, I've got a lot of respect for German buildings and German design and architecture. And so it's really good to get his perspective on New Zealand houses, which was no great surprise. Uh, but he had a great story of him and his family driving around looking for a house for them to buy. And they had a, they had a dream of renovating a, uh, a an older home, uh, as, as you do, uh, but they pretty much realized that they just weren't going to, it was going to be so much work to turn a house uh, a typical New Zealand house into something that they were going to be healthy and comfortable with that they had to start from scratch and, and build their own home. So this is his story of building that home. Now I, I recommend checking out the links in the show notes because he has also put up a slide share um, presentation with, with some of the images from his house. So this podcast is best shared with SlideShare, um, so check that out, and I'll, I'll um, try and get some some of those images up on the uh, the web page as well. Um, and just I'll just make a mention of the uh, in LinkedIn. I actually met Ingo in a LinkedIn group, which is the New Zealand Sustainability Professionals Network group. It's quite a mouthful, uh, but I highly recommend checking that out and and all of the other great networks that are available in LinkedIn. There's some really good discussions that uh, go on over there and some good ideas and, and, and obviously good networking as well. So um, check that out if you haven't done so. Um, that's, uh, that's enough from me. We're going to get straight into the interview. Hope you enjoy. Welcome back to Homestyle Green. This is Matthew Cutler-Welsh. And today I'm speaking with Ingo, Ingo Ratzdorf. Sorry, apologies. <laughs> Ingo Ratzdorf. Ingo, um, why don't we start off with you introducing yourself. Tell us a little bit about um, what it is you do and also why why you do what you do. Right. Hi, Matthew. Um, I'm a registered architect here in New Zealand. I work for Babbage Consultants. And um, I'm particularly tasked to drive sustainability here at Babbage, so I'm involved basically in many facets of all the projects we're doing here, um, policies basically, waste management, material selection, um, all sorts of input regarding sustainable design basically. And does that mean, so you basically the sustainability department, how, how important is sustainability for Babbage? Um, I guess for Babbage it's, it's, it's growing the importance, um, however we find that Quite a lot of our clients are not genuinely interested yet. They probably value what we're offering or what we're doing. However, it's um, it's still a bit difficult sometimes to bring over to, to carry that message on and make it sink in and to explain what the long-term benefits are. Right. But I mean that's what we're trying to do. Right. So it's not necessarily something that a client would come to you for specifically, but if they choose Babbage, then yeah. it's something that you would you would bring into a project? Yeah, from our point of view, it's, it's rather company-driven, the approach. Right. But, um, yeah, from our experience, the client value our input. Right. So, obviously, you have come into this role with some interest in sustainability. Can you tell us a bit about where that came from, where, where that originated? 
Good question. Uh, many people ask me that question, and um, I'm not quite sure myself. Um, I keep telling people I probably spent too much time in the forest when I was a child, <laughs> walking around. I wasn't very social, probably, so I spent most of the time in the forest all by myself, walking around, listening to birds, sitting on stones, and um, yeah. maybe that's how it started. Um, I really don't know, to be honest. Um, probably it's also having grown up in Germany, um, facing all these environmental issues in the um, 80s, basically, and 90s, where all the unsustainability or eco stuff came up. Right. Um, that probably had some influence as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm gathering that that's a lot more prevalent in, in Germany, in uh, the industry and just in general. Oh, yeah, in, in, very much. is always has been, but I guess... We shouldn't forget that Germany has a lot of lot denser population, so it just simply can't afford to be unsustainable. Right. Because the impacts would be much more severe than it would ever be here in New Zealand. So I want to leave your professional work uh, for just a moment. That uh, that is the work that you do at, at Babbage, and talk about a project of your own project that you finished. Um, how long ago is it now that you finished? <laughs> Uh, I would say we're still in the process of finishing, but I'd say we've, we've been in a stage that you could call it livable and almost done probably about two years ago. Right. So we're still finishing off the odd trims here and there and probably the driveway to the garage, so it's bit of pieces. And so this is a house in Auckland. Can you walk us through uh, the basics of it? How how big is it, um, where, where it is, and what are its... Uh, outstanding features. Yep, so it's out west in Riverhead. It's, um, if you go basically past Westgate, a little bit further west towards Helensville in lovely Riverhead, that's where we found our dream site, so to speak. It's 900 square meter site, um, north facing, so not too bad. And um, yeah, it's, I say, I'd say the floor area is approximately 170 square meters. 170? Yep. Yep. Um, Decent size. It's only officially two bedrooms, although we've got actually three. Right. Um, long story. <laughs> um, yeah, we started the process about five years ago, I'd say, after we couldn't find anything that was worthwhile buying or that we could afford. Right. That, was, that fitted our needs and our aspirations, basically. Yeah. So, yeah, we started from scratch and we built something that turned out to be completely different from what we imagined when we started. In what way? Yeah, we were both very historically interested persons, my wife and me. So we were looking at some kind of 1910, 1920 villa style um, to fit our antique furniture in. Right. But um, we decided, no, you can't build a 1910 or 1920 villa in a 2000 years, basically. So we've done something that is probably a New Zealand type of design with European features. Right. And there are some uh, images of it available online, aren't there? Yeah, there are a few. Yeah, there, there are a few images online. There used to be um, a listing on EcoBob. I uploaded a SlideShare presentation, so it's available on SlideShare. It's called right. Riverhead Solar Passive Design House. We'll, we'll put a link to that so people can see see what we're talking about. What were what was the overall objective for your for you building this home? The overall objective was to build a um, healthy, dry home 
warm, without mold, without draft and cold, easy to heat, energy efficient. Basically, yeah, kind of the things that I grew up with, the, the aspirations that you're having, or the, the, the background knowledge that you're having when you're basically coming over from Germany and you're looking at a New Zealand house and saying, whoa, this is different. <laughs> so, um, basically, a nice place to be that's yes. not going to have mould and, yep. and, and be cold. We, we spent the first two years here in New Zealand in rental places and um, I, could, I could see my family actually getting sicker, my wife developing asthma-type symptoms, my son as well. So um, at some stage we decided, no, it's, it doesn't work out and we can't find a dry, nice place to rent or to buy, so we have to do something. And you've already mentioned some things that you weren't happy with with what was readily available in the market. Were there some underlying principles that you weren't prepared at all to compromise on? I guess the most important thing for us was thermal storage, so a concrete floor. Right. Double-glazed European-type joinery. So we definitely never, ever would go for single-glazed aluminum joinery, which was still the standard at the time. What year was this? That a single glazed aluminium joinery was completely ruled out. We wouldn't touch it. So we said, okay, we want European type joinery, double glazed, yeah. tilt and turn. Right. And uh, so they a composite frame or, or a UPVZ? Yeah, there, there were two options. Um, we had a look at um, composite ones. They were unfortunately far too expensive, completely right. outside the outside our budget. I mean, it was our first home in New Zealand and we simply hadn't didn't have the funds at the time. Yeah. So the next available option was PVC. That's basically what I was familiar with in Germany. Right. So I said, okay, I know that PVC is probably not really crackers in terms of environmental performance. However, it's durable. It saves a lot of energy over its lifetime. So that's why I said, okay, yeah. that's, that's the choice then. So tell us, what, um, what did you find most challenging about the whole process? Um, the most challenging bit was probably the site itself yep. and the whole process we had to go through with council. We bought the site in Rivet very cheap because um, all previous owners failed to build on that site. Right. So it was basically what I would describe a bog and dump. Okay. So, so drainage a bit of an issue? Yep, drainage issues, um, an overland flow path, the council public stormwater line right across, a um, couple of springs, wow, and really bad soil underneath, which turned out to be basically peat and clay and a mixture of rubbish and what have you. Yeah. So how did you deal with all that? We rerouted the council stormwater line and subsequently applied for minor engineering consent. We had to apply for wastewater disposal that required resource consent. Um, we needed geotech reports, we needed soil reports, um, we needed wastewater design, we needed environmental engineering input. Wow. And so it's all that things that other people just weren't prepared to go through that Yes, exactly. Process. Plus, of course, you need to adapt your design to the site and yeah. can't just take a standard off-the-shelf design, fit it on site and think it will work. Yeah. Not for a site like that. So did you have to use piles? We use piles. They're six meters deep. We've got quite a lot of them, I think up to 40 piles underneath the house. Wow. Concrete beams on top of that one, concrete foundations, walls, concrete, wear, concrete slab on top. 
50 mil polystyrene insulation, a concrete wearing slab on top that is actually supporting the house and access to thermal storage. Right, so despite having pile foundation, you've still managed to incorporate a lot of concrete and yes. thermal mass into, yeah. the, into the floor. That was, that's why we, we, we said out in the beginning, we said we need the concrete mass to store the heat. Yeah. So yeah. that was the objective, and we knew we needed to pre- be prepared to actually sink a lot of money into the foundations. Right. Which actually turned out exactly that way, but it was part of the calculation, so it, it worked out. That's what Right, I, because then what you put on top of that is, yeah. is probably going to perform yeah. better anyway. Exactly. Getting into a little bit of the detail, but um, can you tell us a bit about uh, how you insulated the slab? Yeah, the, insul- the slab was basically insulated. On top of the structural slab, we put a continuous layer of polystyrene, yep. 50 mil, and another 75 mil of concrete on top. Right. And on right. top of that one, we built a normal timber-framed house. Do you think, uh, just going on a bit of a tangent for a moment, there's some, uh, some links there to possible solutions in Christchurch? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, as I'm saying, if, you, if your site isn't perfect, you need to be prepared to spend a little bit more on foundations. And yeah. I mean, quite frankly, I personally would never, ever recommend any client to build a house without a detailed geotechnical report. Right. Well, I don't, and I don't think uh, many are going to get built without a geotechnical <laughs> report in, in Christchurch anymore, uh, True. from what I've heard. Yep. But that sounds like a, um, a potential solution where people are going to have to yep. build in a uh, high-risk area of liquefaction or a, or a, or a damp area like you have yep. where they do have to have piles um, and the traditional approach would be to do a suspended timber or, or a lightweight structure, but you've managed to incorporate some thermal mass in there. Yep. How did you find someone to build that for you? Was that, was that hard? Um, yeah, I must admit I'm also a certified building biologist here in New Zealand and in Germany and through that connection I had connections to a couple of builders and we approached one of them who we thought showed a bit of knowledge and appreciation for eco-designs right. and also a understanding for detailing. And that's, I mean, you really need somebody that understands the system, yeah. that understands what aspirations you're having and dedication to detail to, to actually make that work. And, and so you managed to find a builder. Were they someone experienced yes. in residential? Or yeah, were they... correct, residential experience builder. Yeah. Right. And that went well? That went really well, I must say, yes. Great. Yeah. Well, it's always good to have a... a who, who was that? There was Jeff Barber, Builders. Yeah. I think they now moved to Christchurch during this economic downturn. Right. And they're still there. They're happy. Great. I'm still in contact sometimes with him. It's always good to hear of a project where the relationship with the builder is, <laughs> is going as well. Um, you mentioned the term building biologist. What, can you explain what that is? Building biologists, building biology covers a wide range of subjects all around buildings, and I, I tend to compare it basically to the Western equivalent to Feng Shui, maybe. Right. So it incorporates um, building design, shape, color, form, location, um, orientation, um, indoor climate, um, radiation, electromagnetic fields, um, earth radiation. Basically everything that might have an impact on you as an as an occupant. I was going to ask you what makes that different from a good architect, <laughs> because surely an art, that that's for the function of architecture is to design for the people. You would think that it should be part of architecture, 
But I mean, this whole eco design is such a complex subject that I think a standard architect's probably completely lost in it. Right. There's not a genuine, genuine interest interest in that subject. I think you find it too hard. Right. You have to spend such amount of time on research and reading and, and talking to people and building your opinion. Yeah. It's, uh, it yeah. just doesn't. It's not something you do when you, during your working hours. Right. At least not unless you're very well supported for uh, for doing projects that align with that. I suppose. Yeah. What surprised you the most about or during the process uh, of building your own home here in New Zealand? Oh, the complexity of the building consent application probably was the biggest shock for me. Right. <laughs> and was that because you needed a resource consent as well as no, the, the other building consents? Surprisingly enough, the resource consent was fairly easy, although all engineers that I spoke to suggested I should better not buy that site because I right. would never get one. <laughs> However, I got one within two months, which everybody was highly surprised about. Um, now, it's just the hoops and loops you have to go through when you're building a building that is not 100% according to standards and to code. Right. So we wanted, for example, we wanted to put in grey water recycling. Yeah. And Auckland Regional Council at the time told me, no, I wouldn't get a consent for that, a resource consent, because right. the plumber might swap a pipe and you would end up with grey water in your drinking water. And I thought, that, that's a ridiculous reason. Right, yeah. But um, I think they moved on from that opinion since. But the same actually applied to wastewater. I mean, Riverhead at the time didn't have wastewater disposal um, reticulation, so we had to do on-site wastewater disposal. So I found it a bit tricky to argue with council. I mean, it worked out in the beginning, in the in the end, but um, it's a bit of a tedious process to go through. So that's the the general um, process of doing something that's a bit outside yes. the norm. Yeah, correct. Was was what the challenge yeah. was. Had you encountered anything like that uh, in Germany? No, because the council's not really interested in that. So what would be the standard um, procedure if you were doing something slightly different there? Um, I'm used to do whatever I, I want to do as an architect over there because right. I'm carrying the responsibility. Right. So if something goes wrong, it's not council that is being sued, it's me. So it's, all, my about, insurance it's all about who's prepared to take yes. the, take the, the risk and, and be accountable for it. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. If there was uh, one piece of advice that you could give anyone who is embarking on a building or a renov renovation project, what would it be? Keep a close eye on what's happening on site because you still need to be prepared to make sure that the actual, the actual design is really built and the builder follows your instructions and the details. Also, please never ever save at the wrong end. Always keep in mind what you're trying to achieve. If you're, if you're planning to have a great kitchen marble bench top and this is your high priority, then you probably won't be building an eco-friendly house, I'm afraid. Right. So always, always think about what your priorities are and keep an eye on that one. And rather be prepared to wait for your bathroom or for your kitchen another year, maybe. The things that you can potentially retrofit. Yes, exactly. Because after all, you're living in your house, but... You know, that's that's what keeps you healthy. And I guess that's where your attention to your foundations yes, is, exactly. is key. So you, you yeah. put, put money in there and you can easily change things around on top yes, of that. Exactly. But it's pretty hard to retrofit 
Good thing we're mess. Correct. It's, it's impossible, and that's that's why you need to be prepared to spend a bit of money on your envelope because anything that's that's inside, I mean, it can happen anytime. Yeah, yeah. We waited one and a half years for our bathroom to be finished, but that's okay. But you had a good floor. We had a good floor, <laughs> and we had a healthy, dry house, and we will now spend three years in there without any condensation whatsoever, not even in the bedroom. Right, right. So build good, start with good foundations. Yep. It sounds uh, sounds a little bit um, simplistic, but it obviously, <laughs> obviously, is true. Um, t- can you tell us a little bit about? You mentioned your, your heating. Is have you got any um, numbers on on running costs and um, what you've experienced when you're living in the house? Yeah, we've got some numbers on run, running costs and the like. And um, yeah, as a heating system, we decided finally to put a wood burner in. Okay. Um, there was, of course, a discussion we had about are we putting a heat pump in or a wood burner. Um, heat pump, of course, would have been slightly cheaper, I must admit. Um, very comfortable, of course. Yeah. But we all know that heat pumps running on electricity. Yeah. So the idea was, okay, I wanted something that radiates heat, that doesn't heat the air, but actually radiates heat out, heats the... F- the, the fabric, the building fabric around you or heats you and not just the air because yeah. I mean, you need to ventilate. So by the time you're ventilating, your warm air goes outside and you have nothing left. Yeah. So it was rather more important to have radiant heat. And because we've got a big void that connects the top floor with the bottom floor, um, radiant heat was quite important as well because if, right. you're, if you're just heating the air while a heat pump, all the heat rises up, you're ending up with a top story which is very hot. Yeah. And the ground floor, which is very cold. Mm-hmm. So that ruled out heat pumps as well. And um, we basically heated the house for two and a half years just on the uh, Macrocarpa timber offcuts that we stored, just right. from the construction of the site. Yeah. Um, last winter was the first winter where we had to order in some firewood. I think we spent some 50 or $100 on firewood. That would probably last again another two years now. Right. So we're not using very much. That's pretty good, uh, $50 heating bill yep. for a year. And, I mean, a wood burner gives you much more than just heat. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of, in winter develops being the center, the heart of the house, yep. and that's exactly where that wood burner is located. It's not located somewhere tucked away in a corner of the living room. Yeah. It's really in the center of the house where it really heats everything. Yeah. So I'm not only having a warm living room, I'm actually having a warm house. Warm heart of and, the house. Yeah, and that yep. makes probably a difference to most of the New Zealand designs that I've seen. Right. Yeah, right. Where the heat is, heat is on, a, on an external wall somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you also mentioned the no condensation. No condensation. We never ever had condensation in those three years. So that's that's pretty good, I guess. Yeah. Great. Hey, look, we better wind it up because um, we, could, we could carry on talking, but uh, that's given us a great overview of your project. Just to finish off, can you give us a, a resource or a book that has uh, inspired you at some stage on your, your journey? Yeah, I mean, you read a lot of books, of course, and um, all of them have good ideas, and you, you're taking on the, the, the message in the book, basically. You're not adhering too much to the detail, but the core message. And I guess the most important book for me that I read a couple of years ago was probably Cradle to Cradle from William McDonough and Mr. Browngout. Yeah, and it's it's just you shouldn't th- only think about 
what you're doing at the moment and the way the material comes from that you're using, but also what happens to your building or your waste your, or your yeah, whatever goes out of the building or out from the construction site and how you can reuse it or what the impacts are. Yeah. And that's, for example, why we didn't use treated timber, wherever right. we could avoid it. Right. And used macrocarpa and left it exposed because it's such lovely timber. Yeah, and yeah. as I said, you can use it for we cut basically some of them we cut off as for toys and right. other bits and pieces we yeah, just yeah. burned in a wood burner. Yeah. So you know you're not having waste. Yeah. Yeah. I think the whole building construction process had um I think three or four rubbish bags, that was all. Wow. We didn't have a skip at any time. Wow. That, uh, that all sounds very good. I, have, I haven't um, rated it under Homestar yet, but I'm sure it would get a very good rating with all those credentials. <laughs> we'll try it eventually. <laughs> and um, yeah, that, look, that's a great book. That's uh, Cradle to Cradle is definitely, I found that a very inspiring read as well. And, and I think it was possibly one of the first times I'd come across the concept of biomimicry, mm, um, which, and that concept of um, basically the foreign concept of waste as well. Hey, look, thank you very much for your time, Inga. Any, any sort of closing comments on, um, on uh, the, the building industry uh, as you see it in New Zealand or, or anything else that you want to comment on your, your building experience? Oh, not too much, really. I think, I think we're, we're on a good track in New Zealand. We've still got a long way to go, if I may say so. I hope it's, yeah. it's not a criticism. Actually, I see it as, as a positive thing. Yeah. Um, because we can see all the countries around us, what they've done and what worked and what did not work. Yeah. And we've got the perfect opportunity to actually learn from it. Great. And find our own way here in New Zealand. And I think we're on the right track. Excellent. So I, I think about, about the future quite positively, actually. Good to hear. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Matthew. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview. Uh, as much as I enjoyed meeting Ingo and, and being inspired by his story, do check out the slideshare slide photos that are in the link in the show notes. And also the, the book that Ingo mentioned at the end there, Cradle to Cradle. I really recommend checking that book out. It was I've actually read that a few years ago and uh, when I was studying engineering and I found it very, very eye-opening and inspiring. Um, I think everyone who has any sort of interest in design uh, and also sustainability and, and just general 21st century life, I think it would find it very um, very interesting reading and, and, a, and a great alternative perspective on some of the, the stuff that we create. That's enough from me. Um, love to get your comments. Uh, you can fire those through, comments at Homestyle Green. Uh, and thanks for those that have sent me some really nice messages recently. It's great to uh, to know that um, you're finding this podcast useful. And uh, thanks for the questions as well. I will get to those uh, at some stage and we'll rip into those and, and find find some good answers. So if you do have any specific questions, please do find them through. Uh, I look forward to having a bit of a session answering some, uh, some good questions. That's it for now. Uh, talk to you next week on Homestyle Green. Cheers.